Alright guys, we're at it again with another recommendation uh, for topic for... Sorry, I'm totally distracted right now. Ken is mouthing what to his dog. Well, he's just staring at me. (laughs) You totally distracted me, but we are going to have another topic today. We are talking about acute care and kind of the setting and really diving down deeper into what it all entails. Um, We're asking Ken a lot of questions because he has more experience with this. And hopefully you guys will find this very interesting. Oh my goodness. Guys, you need to wait to listen to the end for Ken's story. It's... It is definitely one you will not forget. So I wish I could forget it. (laughs) Let's go ahead and just jump into it. Let's go. Let's let's do it. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken. And Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. So I've never worked acute care. So this one is going to definitely heavily rely on Ken and his knowledge. Um, I know we've kind of briefly talked about it before about the different settings and what they're like and what kind of the dailies like, but we kind of want to dive in deeper, um, due to, again, one of your guys' suggestions on topics. And we want to make sure that we kind of are honestly kind of hitting those things that you want to listen to. So one of the ones was on acute care. So Ken, a couple of things like what what do you classify as acute care? I guess depending on p- each person, but like, what would you uh, say so, acute care is? Well, when I first, so when I was going to school, right, and they had the rotation slips, and they're like, all right, go ahead and write down your suggestions on or your preferences on what you want. I wrote I outpatient that. sports. I put outpatient ortho. I put outpatient. <laughs> Those were my three. And lo and they behold, were all outpatient. I get acute care so i was like okay well i never shadowed acute care i've never been in a hospital this was still kind of during covid so i was like okay this is gonna be a a mission for sure Mm -hmm. so when i got there they kind of explained to me okay well what you're gonna be doing for the most part is walking down each wing or you'll get like oh you're on gen pop or you're gonna be on the ortho floor and you're going to go to each patient's room, let them know, okay, hey, I'm Ken, I'm a PTA, I'm here for your therapy. Mm-hmm. And then you'll kind of, depending on what the patient's goals are, like there's a little slip that tells you, oh, what they did before. So you'll want to either get them to edge a bed, you're going to want them to ambulate 200 feet, you're going to want to do some exercises at edge a bed. So most of it was kind of just, hey, let's just get moving versus what I was used to in outpatient and being a technician in outpatient, it was, all right, let's do bridges, let's do squats, let's do step-ups. You're not really doing that in acute care. Like the whole dynamic kind of changes. I definitely enjoyed it because it was a new point of view, a whole new setting that I've never done. So I'm definitely thankful for the rotation that I got assigned. And I even considered working it, but they wouldn't hire graduate students. So out to outpatient I go. Yeah, I was about to say out here with our seven or seven thousand, our two thousand hour <laughs> rule, um, it is definitely hard to kind of get those new positions as, as a new PTA, um, which is a bummer. Well, because they would they would hire as a new grad. Oh, they wouldn't hire me under graduate license. license. Yeah, 
Which so is I finished my rotation I and I was like, hey, like if you guys would hire me as a graduate, like I would just stay here, take my test and then become permanent. But they're like, no, we can't hire you under a graduate license. So I actually considered staying, but because they wouldn't take me on and I, I was trying to take that. a job, then I'm like, okay, well, I know a, an outpatient clinic that would take me as a graduate. So I went off and did that. Yeah. Um, it definitely is one of those things where like I've seen it and it's always like when looking at like the job, um, requirements when I was first looking outside of school, it was, they were not hiring. It said, must have your 2000 hours, must have your 2000 hours, which makes sense because not always is the PT on site. in some of those locations, I guess some of the smaller places. Um, but I think it all just kind of varied. Like I could see like a large hospital having more of a steady like patient flow. So like there's always going to be a PT on site. So then they. That, that's the hard part though because you work. I think you work in teams. So if you still have, if you still need to get your two thousand hours, which again this is mainly just for uh, Nevada, you mimic your supervising PT schedule. So if they're working four tens, guess what? You're working four tens. If they work five eights, you're going to be working five eights. Like they didn't really transfer. Hey, my supervising PT is not here. Can you supervise me today instead? They didn't really do that for the most part. That's interesting. And then if you did have your 2000 hours, then you have your PT that's assigned to you. You have their number. They don't have to be there. So your schedule can be four tens or five eights. You don't have to mirror okay, so theirs. Once, once you hit you your 2000 hours, oh, okay. you have your assigned. Was... No, you have your assigned PT. And whether they're there or not, as long as you have access to them, you're you're able to work whatever schedule you want. Yeah, because I was like, that's going to suck if, like, no matter what, you're on someone else's schedule. Because if that PT changes their schedule, then you have to match it. And even though you've got your 2,000 hours and you don't need them on site, like, I'd be so annoyed by that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that, well, and it makes sense. No matter what, any place you go, if you don't have your 2,000 hours, at least out here in Nevada, um you you have to you have to mirror your pt no matter what like that's that's not a choice um but with the acute care like what are some of the things that you feel like you did not prepare enough for going into it so i really didn't know what to expect once i got into acute care again i didn't really shadow in it so it's just like so did you prep anything beforehand then no, <laughs> You're just I like, kind of look up on extra like well things that would take so you in or disease for your or rotations. Cord, once they assign you, hey, this is who your CI is going to be. They encourage you to reach out to your CI and ask, hey, what materials do I need to prep before I do my rotation? Hmm, and my CI was like, no, it's it's fine. Just um, the first couple of days, you're going to shadow me anyways. So once you're here then you'll be able to see what things you should kind of look into. But for the most part, a lot of it were protocols. So I had a lot of patients, like if I was in the CVCU, like the cardiac floor, I -hmm. have to know uh, cardiac protocols. Were those already in there for you or most of the time? Or was it like you just straight up had to be like, okay, you just had to know it fresh and know it, which I'm sure like once it's like anything, you know, I can resort, resort, uh, recite protocols for, you know, a total hip and total shoulder and ACL so much easier than I can do cardiac 
protocols. Those ones and like for the most part, they tell us the big ones, but like they're harped on these protocols the whole, their whole time they're staying there. Yeah. So when we're in there, we have to just make sure that they're following the big ones. So like cardiac, for example, we had somebody that had like a times five cabbage and mm-hmm. they have their little heart pillow and you have to make sure that my dad they had don't... a bear. Did he had a bear? So, well, yeah, it was a little I mean, bear. He squeezed my, my yeah, uh, so nephew a... now sleeps with it. Yeah. So they have their little heart pillow and they know that they're supposed to heart pillow second time. They have to hug it whenever they get, they have to do transfers. If they're sneezing, if they're coughing, if they're standing up, they can't use their arms to push down. So as soon as we walk in, the first thing we do is hand them their pillow. They go ahead and hug it and take care of the rest. So for the most part, we have to know and understand the protocols, but never did I really have to harp on them for someone not doing something correctly. Because Maybe they because heard it from the nurses, they probably yeah, heard probably it like, from like everybody. That's what I'm too. saying. So like the doctors, the nurses, like they're harping on them like no other. So by yeah. the time we get there, it's more or less just keep an eye on them. But by Make no sure means does that mean like, it. hey, don't pay attention to it. Like we still have to pay attention to it, but we didn't have to know it as much as I'm sure the nurses and everyone else kind of harping on them for it. Well, an example of that, like I have a patient right now who has come from us from, he was in an acute, acute setting, of course, and then he went to a temporary, like short-term rehab, um, skilled nursing, and now he's back with us. And I will say, I tell him this all the time and he laughs at me and he kind of just shrugs his shoulder like, oh my goodness. But it's so nice because I don't have to give him any of the safety protocols or safety, like just not protocols, but safety awareness, cueing like the procedures, for like, yeah, and all that. Yeah. Well, just in general, like with his walker, how he sits up, sits down, stands up. Like he's always placing his hand back. He's always pushing up with one hand. Um, at most, he has one hand on the walker. Like he's not using it to pull towards him. Um, there's just so many like nice little safety things I I don't have to like advise him on. And it's because of the fact that it was grilled into him into in that acute setting and then this short term rehab. Um, and so you're right. It, like certain ones like that where it is a much larger deal, you're going to have someone other than just you harping on these these protocols and precautions and all that kind of jazz, which is helpful in a way. Oh, no, definitely. Um, another thing I would say is blood work. So mm-hmm. the chart review and outpatient, you take a look at the chart. Okay. Like maybe you'll look at sevens. You look at PNs, the insurances, auths. Okay. You'll maybe you'll see if they're a blood pressure check or if they check their vitals in any other way. But when it comes to acute care and I wouldn't even say rehab, I mean, rehab to do it as well, but I feel like in acute was more important. Mm-hmm. because you have to take a look at their hemoglobin. You have to take a look at their platelets. You have to take a look at their white blood cells. And if any of those were not fit for therapy, it's an automatic, like, we're going to skip today. Yeah. And I wouldn't, it's nice to know them. It's nice if you can, I wouldn't even say you have to memorize them. I mean, I guess it depends on where you go. But when I did my chart review at the acute center, they had a like a spreadsheet of all the patient's info and it would be clearly marked red or 
yellow, like a yeah. proceed with caution, like a red, like, hey, this is way too low hemoglobin. They're supposed to get blood or, hey, they have really low white blood cells. If you're going to go in there, make sure you wear a mask. So it was highlighted for you. So even then, I didn't have to memorize any of those numbers. Or slapped on the door, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Slapped on the door, like, hey, yeah, like, if you enter, wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Or a patient you can't leave the room unless they're like wearing that. a mask. Yeah, yeah no, it, and I had kind of the same thing. I feel like my, so I had a rotation and um, and kind of like I worked in an acute rehab facility like skilled nursing so like those little things do kind of work hand in hand so if you're used to kind of having to check the vitals for the day having to um you know prepare if the room's not ready like those kind of go hand in hand with either acute or even skilled because those are the things that they're always kind of looking for um but it is definitely like when in doubt like for me it was always like hey it's a pt's call if something's a little borderline, I always still threw it over and just be like, hey, this is so-and-so, um, you know, because sometimes too, like, hey, the vitals weren't ta- were taken yesterday and they were this low. Do you still want to do it today or vice versa? Or, you know, they were borderline and that was taken yesterday. Do you still want to take it? And they might be like, you know, hold off or, you know, no, they're fine. Just, you know, watch out if there's any issues, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, also on on that note too, though, like we have our 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 criteria, I would say for physical therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So the criteria that it's in the spreadsheet is the nurse criteria. Like, hey, this is too low for this. Yes, it almost goes hands in hand, but they have there are some their marker. Like, hey, this is too low. Like, we have to do this. But for us, in some instances, like their proceed with caution might be our hard stop or a like light exercise only kind of day. So just because the spreadsheet says one thing, like you said, always check with your supervisor PT if you're not sure or go back to your notes, see if you're okay to treat under our guidelines, recommendations when it comes to physical therapy. And if you can't remember, I've seen this like on just multiple nurses, PTs, PTAs, if you can't remember certain heart stops, um, you can kind of almost make yourself a little cheat sheet that you just stick in your pocket and when in doubt, pull it out. <laughs> oh, and- speaking of cheat sheets, it has nothing to do with patient treatment, but I need a cheat sheet for like all the codes for all the supply rooms on every floor. Oh, you needed it? So each, I don't even know why they, so each floor, right, they have all their supplies for oxygen and tanks, which is something mm-hmm. else that you're going to have to know. Um, as far as when do they need to use the nasal versus the full mask, how many liters are they on, things like that. But a lot of those are in the supply rooms for the floors. And all those are locked under key code. And for whatever reason, they want to keep them different codes on every floor. And even different wings. You can't carry them. Like you have to take the little travel things because they have to be on the rollers. You're oh, not yeah, supposed to, to carry the oxygen tanks because if you drop it, you're in trouble. Um, and then it's like good luck finding a sleeve for those things too in some places. Or oh, like I mean, we are, we're always fighting for wheelchairs. We're fighting for walkers. <laughs> People like mark their names on it when they're not supposed to. They're like, oh, this <laughs> is so-and-so's walker. It says like right there in Sharpie. It's like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like this is for everybody. 
first come first you serve. know what my mom used to do when my dad had his because so my dad's been quite a few times visiting uh, <laughs> the hospital and then also my mom so my dad had was in the hospital for his stay for both times with his heart or sur- open heart surgeries and then my mom was in the hospital for like over a week with her burn and so both of them had physical therapy come around both times what my mom did she bought colored duct tape took her own walk <laughs> so i'm saying people it. find ways <laughs> oh yeah and wrote her like, name on it now <laughs> so they're, they're possessive it. too like this is this is my walker and if they see you using it like people get upset they're like yeah. hey that's my walker give it back like they don't well care. and the thing is you don't know sometimes too because family members might bring it in and mark them up like you don't know you really don't know if it's like a hospital walker really or unless it's got like a sticker or something on it or if it's um straight up like someone's from home um which again is another issue i'm assuming in acute care if they're not supposed to get out of bed and they're used to that and they bring in their own walker how do you guys deal with that if the patient's family brings a walker yeah, but they're not supposed to get out of bed without help. Um, I don't, that hasn't really happened. It's, I feel like for the most part, at least while I was there, anybody that had fall precautions on and had like they have bed alarms. Oh, yeah, those things so, are insane. Even if a family member attempted to get their family member to stand up, that thing's ringing like no other. Yeah. And the whole posse is going to be in there. Nurses, charge nurses, therapy staff, OTPT, because as soon yeah, they're not supposed to get up. So I guess that, that's heard... that's why it doesn't really happen. If they bring a walker and they're not under fall prevention, then go for it. No one's really going to yeah. stop them. I've heard that nurses will take their walker and store it somewhere else for the patient if they continue to try to use it when they shouldn't. Um, and that's when you just as a therapist have to like, cause I'm sure it will get brought up. You have to like educate the patient on why you can't have the walker in the room and why it's not safe for them to get up. And that's just educating them a lot. But yeah, you have to make sure that you don't leave a walker in a room with someone who's the fall pre- prevention too. And, um, gate belts. Let's talk about gate belts real quick. What's a gate belt like- in a queue? What? What? Yeah, I'm sure you've never used any of those. So no. Did you ever fight for a gate belt, or did they kind of just assign no. you one, or what? No, we, they have no. plenty. No, we didn't. You really it, don't use it. No. <laughs> what? We so they every room has gate belts. Okay. So this is the weird part, right? So I, trust me, I was kind of blown away too. So every room has like their gate belts, like I think on the back of the door, it just looks like a blue strap. So you don't have to okay. worry about bringing your own or anything. And you're more than welcome to use the gate belt if you'd like. But what everybody does is they hold on to their gowns. The gowns. So they have the gown that goes around the waist, they tie it up, and they hold on to the gown. And for them, that feels more secure than a gate belt. Which... I have to disagree with in a way just because like those gowns will rip. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I mean, you can argue um, that gate belts can either break or unbuckle. Yeah, the odds of that happening are not very high, but those gowns that are used all the time, yeah, rip. I mean, I've never seen one rip, but I mean, things happen. I've seen plenty of gowns ripped. 
But, like, I think the thing is, like, you think about the momentum going down with that patience going down. Is that really going to hold them up? You'd be surprised. I probably would then. But, like, on the same time, I do know that there are some post-ops you can't have a gate belt around. For example, an open heart chest. You can't put a gate belt there. Because last thing you want to do is create pressure within that area. I think a lot of the times too, um, for like the gate belts and stuff, like a lot of it was like contact guard assist because Mm -hmm. you're never walking anybody without a walker. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why people don't use the gate belts as much. So it's either going to be like standby assist, contact guard assist, just because they're going to be using them. Like, if they're that unstable, you would you almost just try to take them to, like, parallel bars or something like that? Yeah, so if, if they're at that level, then, yeah, it's going to be more probably maybe a rehab situation, or you're not leaving the mm-hmm. room. Yeah. Like, if they're super unstable, like, you're going to transfer from the bed to their recliner or maybe to the door and back, and that's it. Yeah. Like, Which you're makes not going to, you're not going to ambulate someone who can't really ambulate outside the room where you have no chairs, you have no safety nets, like, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a chair follow with like an OT or an assistant or maybe a nurse that's available, which is highly unlikely, but or a student, <laughs> a student. However, that's always for sure. We did so many <laughs> yeah. of those. So you didn't really prepare anything. What do you not. wish you would have prepared for a little bit more going into the setting? Uh, in my specific case in my my rotation that i got like the opportunities to do maybe wound care okay so wound care was not supposed to be part of my rotation just because my ci doesn't do wound care but i was able to shadow a wound care specialist pt and pta on separate days for the entire day so i would like it would have been nice to kind of go over the different kinds of pressure ulcers what kind of um, like do you use silver, do you use honey, do you use gauze? How many layers do you want to pack it with? A lot of those I wish I could have gone the over early a little bit more. Even? Yeah. So we did like a full on sweep. Like it, it happens once a year where these, I'm not even sure who it was, but like hospital admins come in and they want to record how many pressure ulcers are in the hospital. Mm-hmm. How many people developed a pressure ulcer while being admitted, at least? Not admitted with one, but after admission. Yeah. So what do we have to do? We have to do a huge sweep of the entire hospital, room to room, and check for pressure ulcers. Pressure ulcers. That was to you guys? Yeah, so it happened while I was there. That's so, crazy. I, wanna, I would think like wound care themselves would actually do it. Oh, like, no. This is nursing, OT, PT, everybody. So everybody just kind of pitches and, and looks for Correct. them. Oh, okay. So every single team has a PT, and then they'll mm-hmm. have other therapy staff with them. Yeah. And, that makes sense. Um, so if you're unsure, I you thought it was just like all of PT, PT was the one. No, all so PTs the one checking everybody. It's, like a, like, it's oh a hospital gosh. effort to knock it out as fast yeah. as possible. Makes but you sense. would go in, you do a double heel check, you do a sacrum check, you do a shoulder check, you'll do like every like a spine check, and like mm-hmm. you'd be surprised. Like you find some, and you're like, mm, "That's gnarly," and nobody knew. So now we have to put this person on the pressure watch list. 
but yeah, like you said, like you have to know the stages. So we had a we had a end service on the different types of stages, the blanchable, non blanchable, things like that. And that way everyone was mm-hmm. prepped to go do this huge sweep. But it was cool. It was yeah. a good time. Yeah, so wound, one, wounds would have been your big thing. Um one thing you can't what, prepare for. And this smells. just I mean that for sure. Um <laughs> patience um passing away. Mm, I didn't even think about that. So it happened I wanna say three times while I was there. So patients that I saw repeatedly as well. And mm-hmm. we like walked in and over the intercom, you just hear like code blue for the patient in the room that we're about to go to. Mm-hmm. So we get worried and we're like, okay, well, we've seen her a couple, like several times already. And she always denied therapy, always denied therapy, but she actually liked it when me and my CI went in. So she liked talking to us. She liked the therapy that we gave her and there's at least some company at the very least. So we ho- we heard the code blue. We went up to the room to go see her. And by the time we got up there, uh, we talked to the nurse and like, no, patient deceased at so-and-so time and all this and all that. Mm. So it's not really something you can prepare for. But if you're going to be going into the acute setting, like a lot of these patients are in critical condition. They have like, they're either dealing with the oncology floor. So a lot of cancer patients, you'll have kids that are cancer and adults like you'll see some really crazy stuff and that's there's no preparing for that so you just have to be aware going into the acute setting that that's gonna happen now you do technically the icu for cardiac because that's what pretty much any cardiac wing is now called Um, well you have the cvcu and then you have the icu they're different okay sorry then the one that my dad had was literally the icu for cardiac was like cbc his post office yeah yeah so sure. they're the most intensive care for cardiac patients which he still had he had pt come around even in the in there um it was a lot of just guy getting you up sitting at your bed he had respiratory therapy too just like wrist breathing that kind of stuff um now did you guys go into some of the critical ones where it literally was like maybe just ranging them out or... Yeah, so we had a couple where, like, you couldn't even get them out of the room. So when it comes to the ICU mm-hmm. patients, and some PTs and PTAs love being in the ICU, and it, it made me, it, I got stressed because these people have... <laughs> too many whistles, too well, many they bells. have, like, um, what's like, pneumonic tube, or not, like, the thoracic tubes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, a pneumothorax. The so they had the chest tubes, they had the oxygen tanks, they had... So like a lot of this, like you have to connect it to external batteries. You have to make sure you have a rollator because you have to have all the batteries on stuff. You need mm-hmm. to monitor their vitals as you're working with them. It's not like a quick, okay, let me just check your O2 real quick. Okay, we're good. Let's do therapy. Like no, this consistent. is a constant as soon Let's as they're make standing, sure they're doing as soon it right, as they're checking. walking. <laughs> checking. So checking. it's it's a lot when you're in the ICU and CVCU. But um, like there's just so many nursing staff there and other staff that can help you if you have any questions, but it can be stressful working in those intensive units. Now, can you pick kind of which type of patient load you'd like to see, or is it kind of just nope. like, here's what you're assigned. This is what your PT yeah. got. This is what you get. 
So my CI was typically a gen pop oncology. Mm. Like that, that was her station. So she'll yeah. usually be there, but occasionally we'll get the, the orthopedic floor thrown in the CBCU, the ICU, but typically it was gen pop or oncology. Which makes sense that they would just kind of, it sounds like you would then stay consistent with where you were kind of yeah, at. But like then it's she not was, like one week you're always in the ICU and another week you're just on oncology. It kind of gives you a little bit more consistency, it sounds like. True. I mean, it can definitely help, but you're only seeing these patients three, five times. After that, yeah. they're, they're DC'd or in placement. But it makes it, it does make it easier to kind of remember the vital signs, some of the warnings, all that kind of stuff too. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just like any, any type of setting you go into, like you, again, I talked about, I'm better at ortho um, than my mom is. And my mom works mainly skilled nursing and home health. And she knows more little tricks and gate patterns and all that kind of stuff than I do. Um, just because of the fact of like our settings. Um, but it's definitely interesting to hear about like the differences. What advice would you give anybody who's looking to go into acute care? Hmm. I would say make sure you have your transfers down packed. Make sure you have your verbiage when it comes to how much assistance you give them. And there's so many different avenues that you can take in acute. Like I said, whether it's the oncology, gen pop, intensive, orthopedic, and just try to get one before you try to branch off to the other ones. But yeah, I, like I think the oppor- the opportunities you have in acute care are so much larger than I would say outpatient. Mm-hmm. Outpatient's very consistent. It's usually the same things over and over again. But when it comes to acute care, there's just so many different specialties you can go into on top of you still have wound care. You can transfer over to rehab. There's just, there's a lot. So there's not really yeah. much you can do to prepare for it, but just know where you're going to be and then try to study that before you try to jump around to every single station and absorb everything that you can. Cause it can be a lot. It can be overwhelming for sure. Definitely. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like, just know you're going to go into it a little overwhelmed in the beginning, but you'll start to just smooth out and just give it a little bit of time. Um, position. I think that's honestly, whenever you're switching any type of setting, um, it's kind of just, it, they are different. Um, and each one, you can bring great things to them. You can be very creative. Like there's things to this day that, I use more an inpatient that I've taken to outpatient. Um, And I'm very grateful for that. But it was definitely stressful at first when I was in inpatient coming from outpatient. I was like, oh, my gosh. This feels totally different. (laughs) Um, But uh, what would you say to someone who, oh, my gosh, I had it and then I lost my train of thought there. I would say like my my craziest experience was definitely in acute care. And we also had like dementia patients. It's like you you really Mm -hmm. don't know what you're going to get. So you walk in and the patient thought that they were being abducted by aliens. People were coming in to get her. And we had, it was me, my CI, which was a PTA and an OT. 
all three of us went in to do like a joint treatment. And it was nice to see the OT on how they handled it. So they got lower to the patient. They try to get on their level. They talk calmly. They listen. They try to get as much as they can out of it before they even attempted doing any sort of treatment. Mm-hmm. So definitely shadowing some oh, people on acute me. care is helpful because, I mean, just being on the same floor most of the time, I still, every single time I went into a room, I had no idea what to expect. Yeah, it can change daily. Um, it is funny because I had a patient who worked who had dementia and he loved the P one of the PTs at our location. Absolutely loved her, worked with her and everything we thought was going to be fine. She introduced me to him and everything was going well. And then the moment like she left, he, he swapped and it was just some, something about every single time I go in and try to work with him, he refused, he would refuse, refuse, refuse. And my director's like, Hey, I'm going to just pull you off of it just because like he's, we're going to just put him back on so-and-so schedule because he really only wants to work with her. And he goes on, she goes, honestly, I think you remind him of someone in the past. And that's the thing too, is you don't know why, like they just might be rejecting you a little bit because of something that's in their past that they can't even explain really. And they put that on you, which doesn't have to do with anything of you. So if you can't get through to someone, this goes for any of those settings, like, who's in that, it might be in their best interest that you just swap them out because of the fact that um, there's just something, something that you could look like an ex in the past that pissed them off or something, something like that. that the something that has nothing them. to do with you. It's just, yeah, it's just, yeah. you're unfortunately too close related <laughs> look wise. And they don't even know it too. They don't know why a lot of the times why they're, they're pissed off at you. But I mean, we, going we back, had that in our notes quite a bit too, like awareness times one or like mm-hmm. whether they know their name, if they know they're like where they are, what state they're in, what year it is. So a lot of the yeah. patients, like we would ask that and then we would document what their awareness levels were. Also, Which like at if this point, I would have to look up the awareness levels because I it's been so long since I've dealt with any of that. I don't remember. Each room in acute care has a board. And the board has a lot of patient info on it. So it has their name, mm-hmm. their docs, um, last time that they ate, if they're taking medication, like so much info on the board. So always take a look at the board so that way you're better prepared when you're working with the patient. And a lot of the patients will try to ask you questions too about their diagnosis and what they're doing. And they'll have like four or five docs. And what we do, we just tell them like, hey, Save those questions for this doctor. It's your kidney doctor. And save those questions for this one. It's your heart doctor. Because they'll just think like, oh, this is a doctor. Let me just ask them all my questions. Like, nope, each one has their own specialty. And they're only going to answer the ones that pertain to them. Mm -hmm. So always take a look at the whiteboard. A lot of useful information on it. Agreed. Um, One of the things I was going to ask you is you talked about like kind of daily going in and seeing something different each time but how does like your daily schedule go like you kind of like do you have x amount of patience do you have um productivity do you have minutes um how does it kind of work or is it just kind of set like you need to see this patient check in do a little bit and then you're good to go or how how exactly does it work in acute so some of that i can't even really answer because my ci took care of a lot of it <laughs> So, but you I would, lucky. 
I did get lucky. So like the productivity and things like that, I don't really know what the standards were or what they were looking for. Um, for she just told mm-hmm. me that they were pretty lax on it. So as long as you're doing your job, you're seeing your patients and they don't really harp on you too much. But oh, you're supposed to see, like if you have eight hour day, you're supposed to see eight, eight patients. We had, I, okay. did, I did 410, so I would see 10 patients a day. And that can be broken up into uh, two different sessions. Like I can go in one time, I can transfer them to a chair, go to lunch, and then come back and transfer them back. And that's their treatment. Yeah. So we would, if someone denied us, I think we'd try two or three times. Yeah, three times. I'll just put refusal. Patient refused to do treatment. Three times they deny, and then you can't ask again. Um, <coughs> sorry, I think it's the mute button. Get it time. together. Um, no, but like, so with that being said, though, you had if you had 10, 10 hour days and you had ten patients. But I'm assuming some of these patients were spread out, so there was some walking time involved, and you know going back and forth and them needing something before you can even start treatment for those 10 patients. Did you have like, Hey, this person has 45 minutes. This person has 30 minutes. This person has a whole hour or was it each person had an hour and you just were expected to transport from room to room magically. Um, so no, they counted documenting as part of patient treatment. Mm hmm. So we would be with patients maybe 30 to 45 minutes and then 15 minutes of documentation. What I would give to get 15 minutes of documentation. Let's just be honest. Outpatient, that's where we're screwed over an outpatient is you don't get real documentation time. It's just but it was different. That's different from rehab though. So rehab, you have to do more like on like point of service documentation. So you're with a patient mm-hmm. for, I want to say two hours, or maybe an hour. I can't remember. And you have to document while you're seeing them because as soon as that patient's done, you're immediately grabbing the next patient. Yeah. So an eight-hour day at rehab, you only see four patients. Okay. Because you have each one for two hours. Interesting. Or maybe you'll see five patients if you have each for an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. man, I have the craziest story when it, ugh. The craziest things happened when I was in the hospital. Well, was, uh, we'll end this we'll session with one of your... Well, I was about to say, we'll end say it, it with one crazy story. Just one. You don't have to All do right. the craziest. Well, I'll just do the rehab one. I don't think I've told that one yet. I don't so, think I've heard of it. So we had a patient, and I was with my CI's husband. So he's also a PTA, and he worked in the rehab side of things. So the nice thing that when I was doing my rotation... She tried to pair me up with as many different people so I get different kind of point of views and things like that. That's cool. And so I shadowed the the husband in the rehab for the day. And we had one patient where I don't know if they gave him some sort of medication or they gave or maybe it was just him, but he just had like nonstop diarrhea. So from the moment we walked in, he just kept saying, I need to go to the bathroom, I need to go to the bathroom, I need to go to the bathroom. So we're like, okay, like we got you, boss. Like, like, let's do this. So let's. So we got him to the edge of bed. He didn't make it. He immediately just went on the bed. So we're like, still trying. Oh yeah, we we it was COVID. So it it, you start your treatment by putting gloves on. So he went, and we're like, come on, let's just try to get to the bathroom. So like, he's leaving a trail. We get him to the bathroom. 
and we sit him down and he just does his business. He's a fall rest rehab. So we have to be in there with him the entire time as he's doing everything or like we'll step out and they have like a little pulling. Like, yeah. Hey, I'm ready. So we're cleaning up the bed. We're changing all the chucks and whatnot. And he pulls the thing. So we go into the bathroom like, all right, you ready? Like we're transferring back. Like, let's get you standing. We still have our treatment. Soon as we stand him up, starts dripping again. Like he's just going in the bathroom. It's like, nope, back down. We set him down and he goes to the bathroom again. And this, the his entire hour and a half to our treatment was him attempting to transfer from the toilet because he just went the entire time. So we went through so many gloves, so many chucks. He had like four gowns on because every single time we got him a clean one, he would just go again. And we're just like, all right, let's just do the treatment in the room. Let's get you back to the bed. To the bed. We as soon as we get him to the bed, I need to go again. And it's like this is part of still so part of our treatment session. So we can't just tell a nurse to do it. So what do we do? We stand him back up. We walk him back to the bathroom, and then he goes again. And it was, it was not pleasant. Now, in that situation, did he finish before your time was done with him? Did he finish going to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> um, like near the end, we didn't. We didn't do anything. Because I was about to say, what like would you his have whole done treatment in that situation? was fully I know, transfers. What, what would you have done in that situation where if the patient was still going, but your treatment time is up? Like you don't well, know when this it is depends. Gonna end. If I have another patient after him, yeah. like I have to transfer him to the bed. Hopefully, he can at least hold it for a little bit and let the nurse know. Because I have to get to my yeah. next patient and do their rehab. But yeah. if I had lunch, maybe I can help out a little Stick bit until patient. I go to lunch. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm going to be hungry after that. <laughs> I don't want to blame you for not being hungry. I think his oh. wife was in the room too. And the wife was just like standing by the door, like hand in her, like hand, her head was in her hands, just like looking down. Didn't want to look. And this dude was just spewing. It was bad. Oh, that's so brutal. Yeah, it was, it was not a good day. Yeah, I mean, no, bad I'm for sure. him too. But I mean, we had to, like, we have to wipe him. He can wipe himself. Mm-hmm. So we had to wipe him. We had to clean all the chucks. We went like we went through so many gloves. I had to go to the supply room and get more gloves. It was it was it was a it was a fun day. It was it was one you so won't something forget. to look forward to if you go into the acute care setting. There is a little bit more vomit in. Uh bowel movements bowel <laughs> movements uh vomit sputum yeah if you're not okay with sputum and seeing all the colorful liquids that come out because their tanks are see-through because they have to know what color their sputum is so they just start i still ha- wish they could put like a sleeve on it and then like pull it no. down when they come in and they check try to be efficient as soon as they walk in i know it. it's just still <laughs> they're like hacking up a lung and they have the little suction tube and yeah Take have you ever out. had a suction? Did I have a suction? Did you ever have to suction? I don't understand your question. Did like, I have did to suction have myself? To... No, a patient. No, they can typically suction themselves. Mm. It's a, it's Those funny because it just looks like they're like smoking hookah. They're just <laughs> chilling on the bed and like, hey, what's up? Hey, hey I'm Ken. I'm from the therapy team. We're going to do your therapy. And they're like, okay, cool. Hold on. <laughs> Okay, so what are we doing today? I'm like, oh, we should go, you know, take a lap. Okay, let me just take one more. 
Okay, let's do this. <laughs> By the way, I wish you guys could see Ken's face as he does this. It was absolutely hilarious. It's just it's, <laughs> you, it's just like second. Like you don't even think about it. Like okay, cool. You good? All right, let's go. Yeah, you ready? All right, let's. I know. No, I need you to be ready. Last section. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, just get one more good one in there. And you just see it all, all just right. kind of go up the tube and into the tank. And I'm like, well, oh, that's so gross. On that note, guys. <laughs> We'll go ahead and end today's session there. Again, thank you guys so much for those who gave us some topic ideas. We've got one more to go through. Oh, well, not go through because we've really enjoyed these, actually. One more we're going to touch on on Tuesday. I had to think about my days here for a second, but on Tuesday. But check out our Instagram right now. We do have a giveaway going. We want to say thank you. Um, we reached 3,000 downloads. Three th- yeah, 3,000 downloads. Which might not seem a lot, but like it's absolutely crazy that we've only been a year into this and we've already come that far and we're just excited to see it grow. And so we kind of wanted to give back a little bit. So I personally made the cup that you guys will see on the giveaway. Um, So that is there. There are some rules that you can read on the original post on how to enter. Um, But yeah, check us out. Uh, Check out new YouTube video and... YouTube video tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Well, it's gonna be Pathos. Yeah, but it's we have we have other ones planned, but we do have more Patho videos coming. We have some shorts coming as well. Speaking of which, we need to film that new one like this weekend. I got a text message for the request of it back. (laughs) I'm not surprised. He was upset to give it up. So we'll work on that. That one will be coming out probably soon. Until then, sooner than later. Catch you guys in the next one. Alright, bye guys. The information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.